Praise the Lord. How's everybody doing tonight? Good. Is there anybody tired? Let me see your hand. You're in church. You can tell the truth. I was talking to one of my friends at the beginning, and when I stepped in here, and I was like, I just feel the spirit of tiredness all over you. And I said, well, yeah, we're struggling tonight. I was like, uh, Brother Mooney used to say all the time, just, just come to church. I know you've been working all day. I'd rather you sleep at church than at home. So if you fall asleep tonight, I'm all right with that. Um, we're going to dig into some things here um, when we talk about legacy. Um, just talking about finances. There's nothing that will make people lock up more than when you talk about finances. I'm well aware of that. But we're going to dive into it and... Um, try to be uh, just kind of tonight we'll talk about something that we won't dig into all of the practical things we're going to talk about mainly stewardship and, and a few things that you can do to help out your life uh, next week I have a friend by the name of Craig Price that's going to be coming to teach I don't want you to miss that and he's going to be going through some very practical steps um, especially the earlier that you can start these things the better, because we want to leave a legacy for our church, for our family, and leave something where they're blessed, amen? And so we'll be talking about practical steps, and then Pastor Sullivan is going to be speaking, and then also uh, Brother Shelton, and so we'll have four weeks here um, on this topic, and some of it will be practical, a little bit will probably, you'll feel like it's in your face, um, uh, but we'll We'll make it through and know that God's going to bless it. Amen? Amen. So there, there are a few things as, as a Christian, the way that, that we view them, they, they make us an oddity to the world. A couple of those things is, is the way we view money and power. Okay? The way we view the ability, strength that God gives us and also the money that he gives us. Because the world views it as something that should be only used on themselves and a blessing to themselves. But as a Christian, it's not that way. It's that we know that God gives it to us so it can flow from us to bless the kingdom and to bless people around us. Amen? See, life is, life is strange. And um, I'll be 42 in a couple of months, so I'm, I'm starting to see... Um, some of these stages come into effect in my life, but, but when you're born, you have no power. You have no ability to change the world around you at all. You're completely dependent on everybody around you. To eat, be changed, all of that stuff, you cannot do anything on your own. You can't walk on your own. And it's amazing how life is just one big circle because if you live long enough, you end up in the same shape. Depended on everybody else around you. And so you go through life and you don't have any power, you don't have any ability, you depended on everybody else. And, and then you come into this stage of life when you're in your teens and um, you have strength, but you have no wisdom. You have no, you think you do, but you have no wisdom. You think everybody else is stupid and you have no idea that it's really you. That is stupid. And then you move into to this age of, you know, you're 
late 20s into your, your 30s that you have this magical time in your life where both wisdom and strength, they kind of move into this crescendo together where they meet. And it's whenever you have influence on the world and influence on people around, you have strength, you have wisdom, and then you reach a certain point in life where you get more wisdom, but then you begin to decline in strength. And so what happens is you have all of this wisdom, but you feel like nobody wants to hear it at all, right? And then all of a sudden you start forgetting all that wisdom, and life is a big circle. But the Bible talks about, the Lord speaks that says, serve the Lord in the days of thy youth when your strength is with you and all is well. Because it is something for somebody whenever they have both wisdom and strength and they take the power that God has blessed them with and they actually do something to impact the kingdom of God and those around them. That they are counter um, culture. They're not just consumptive like the world and put everything, all of their money, all of their power, all of their strength and consume it on themselves. But rather, they turn around and what God has given them, they bless everybody around them with it. And that is what God wants from his children. He doesn't want them to be people that just consume and spend everything on themselves. But they take the talent, they take the ability, they take the wisdom, they take the money, they take all of these things that God has placed in their life and they take it and do good and bless the world. Amen? Bless those around them. So the Lord makes Adam and Eve and he tells them to be fruitful and to multiply. Take what I've given you and bless others. Multiply with it. And that is what God wants from our lives. He sets them up in the garden and gives them one rule. Don't eat of this tree. And the moment that you become consumptive instead of giving, that's the moment that you shall surely die. And so Jesus begins to talk about life. And when he begins to talk about life, he says that those who make life all about themselves, they wind up losing it all. But the ones who lose their life for the kingdom's sake, those are the ones that actually find life. And so he wants us to be generous with what he's given us, but not only generous. We're going to be talking about generosity sometime later but he also wants us to be good stewards with what he has handed us. And so I understand that there are a few things uh, when you begin to speak about them that will make people lock up, that they really, you know, people talk about, I want the Lord to be God over my life and be the one who rules over all. And, and we allow the Lord to tell us Uh, what to do on many instances of our lives, but there are a few subjects that we don't even want God to put his finger on to tell us what to do with it. One of those is money. Because we say we're submitted to the Lord, but in reality, we only submit on the things that are easy for us. And if he's really Lord of my life, in every avenue, including this one, I'm going to be submitted to him. In order to be submitted to him, i got to have full understanding of his lordship and his supremacy. 
and that he is Lord over all. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 says, and I think I gave them the ESV on this one. It's actually in the KJV. It says, he's the image of the invisible God, speaking about Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, we the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. That means supreme, that he will rule supreme. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Louis the Fourteenth, or or Louis the Great, or the Grand Monarch, the Sun King, all of those were titles that Louis the Fourteenth went by. He had the longest reign in modern European history. He spent seventy-two years on the throne of France. So when you think about France, you're thinking about Louis the Fourteenth. And all we know about French power, and I know there's varying ideas, degrees, that how we understand that uh, in here tonight, but when we think about France, all that's French culture, all that's beautiful or good, everything that we're drawn to, that's Louis XIV. Um, he was a man that worked tirelessly for 72 years, and he turned France into the European superpower of his day. He consolidated power, he unified religious factions. He had a military campaign that made France feared across Europe. He was an arrogant, miserable human being, though. At one point, when he was confronted on what was viewed as an overreach of his power, he infamously responded, I am the state! So what he's simply saying is, you can't do this to me. I am France! Sounds like a guy you would want to have over for dinner, right? You can't feed me that. I am France. He was an arrogant, arrogant man. So he was full of pomp and vinegar, but he was also a very capable individual. And that guy grinded out one of the most amazing pieces of European history and culture that the world has ever seen. He, <clears throat> upon his death, he had this long list of exactly what he wants at his funeral. They inlaid his coffin in gold, and it was very specific chapel that he had it in so he could control the light, and he had a long list of things that he wanted said about himself. And as you imagine, he had a really high opinion of himself. He had the room set up that they would light a single candle at his funeral as it began. It's packed out, and the light was specifically set up so it reflect off the golden coffin and illuminate the room so that wherever you were in the chapel, what was lighting the chapel was the reflection of the candle off of his golden coffin. Then Bishop Maslin, who was the archbishop at this point, the Bishop of Clement, he takes the stage, if you will, and he comes up behind the pulpit. 
and he licks his fingers and he extinguishes the candle. And in the darkness, he cries, only God is great. And until we understand that only God is great, we will think more of ourselves than we should. We will get puffed up with what God has given us. And we have to understand that he reigns supreme. Louis XIV is in the ground, but Christ still remains on the throne. And when I understand his supremacy and I understand his lordship, then in every area of my life, I can say your way is right even if my opinion of it is different. Your way's right and mine is wrong. Amen? So there are a few idols that are more fiercely defended than our money. All right, so here's what's interesting. Jesus taught a ton about money but never took an offering. But yet he tied money to the human soul. All right? So I don't think you can understand money, and I don't think that you're, you understand it the way you're supposed to. I don't think you utilize it for what it's been given to us for until we see Christ as first and best. Here's a little secret. Everybody tithes. I know that when we were in Sunday school, we, we were taught that the tithe was 10%, and it does have a, a root meaning of 10%. But what the tithe means is first and best. And everybody is given their first and best to something in life. And what money is, it is a MRI into your soul about what you value the most. Has anybody in here, you ever had an MRI? Anybody in here? So, I've had one of those things ever in my lifetime. You have to understand, I am claustrophobic. I just don't like being, if I'm getting on an airplane, I'm the last guy on, and I am the last guy. You know, why is everybody going to stand up at the same time and try to get their bags and squash me like, I do not like all that. All right? And so I had a time in my life where there was something wrong with my shoulder, and um, I, I was at the Chick-fil-A line, and I couldn't even hold my hand out to grab a little bag with a chicken sandwich in it because it just had no strength, and it was hurting so bad, so I had to stretch out with this arm. And uh, so they talked me into getting an MRI, and they shove you into this little tube, and they tell you that you can't move much, and you got all these sounds around you going on. And, and uh, so, but an MRI... It doesn't, it doesn't care a bit about what you think at all. It doesn't care what your opinion is. My opinion was I have torn a rotator cuff. It does not care what you think. It shows you what's going on with all of its depths and coloring and all of that kind of stuff. It will show you what's really going on. And, those, and they told me, you got inflammation. I was like, no, I think I got a tear. No, it's inflammation. The MRI says it's just... And so, what you give to money is an MRI into your soul of what you value the most. Because what you spend your money on and what you give your money to shows you exactly 
what you value. All right? So we're going to be talking about valuing the kingdom and valuing a legacy that we can leave for our children. And I, I want to talk about generosity tonight. We do not have time to dive into both. So if God is going to bless your life, you got to have both generosity, but you also got to be someone that knows how to be a steward of what God has given you. Consumers ended 2021 with record levels of debt, which stood at $15.6 trillion, according to data released Tuesday from the Federal Reserve's New York District. Total consumer debt at the end of the year is $15.6 trillion. That's a year-over-year -year jump of 30, $333 billion during the fourth quarter alone and just over $1 trillion for the full year according to data released Tuesday from the Federal Reserve's New York District. Credit card balances increased by $52 billion in the final three months of the year, a new quarterly record that brought total debt in that category to $860 billion. Auto loan balances rose by $90 billion or 6.6% to $1.46 trillion dollars. Total student loan debt is one, it is uh, over a trillion dollars as well. The majority of people live paycheck to paycheck regardless of income. And it doesn't matter if you make 30K a year or 1 million a year, there are so many people that live paycheck to paycheck. Someone sent me a screenshot of a tweet today that said 33% of Americans making over $250,000 a year are living paycheck to paycheck. That's one third of people making a quarter of a million dollars a year are living paycheck to paycheck. Well, not really, it doesn't matter if you're making a whole lot or if you're not making a whole bunch. Doesn't matter, because what we'll do is, is when we move up in a different economic bracket, we just take our spending and increase it that much more. And we max out everything we get. The average car payment is $520 a month, and most married couples have two of those, so it's 1,040 bucks rolling in every single month. Isn't that crazy? So in America, in America, it's not that we have a money problem. It's that we are not good stewards with what God has given us. Are we all right? Everybody, everybody mad yet? All right. God told, I want us to be blessed. And I want us to be generous, but if we're going to have both of those in our life, we've got to be good stewards. Abraham said, I'm going to bless you, but I want you to be a blessing. That's what God wants. He wants to bless us so we can be a blessing. And in order for God to open up the windows of heaven over us, we're going to have to be good stewards of what he gives us. And for many of us, that's a weakness. So, here, here's, it's not, some of that's not, no, it's no fault of our own because when we were in school, we were taught how to drive a car. 
anybody had a class whenever you were in the summertime or you just took some, some weeks and you went to this, uh, this class and you learned how to change a flat and you learned how to drive a car because it gave you a discount on the insurance. So we had that. I, had, I learned how to dissect a frog, right? Learned how to play a trumpet, but I never learned how to do a budget. And I never learned how to manage finances or save for the future. But I knew what a frog looked like on the inside. All right? So we have got to learn these things and apply them to our lives. Okay? Um, so here's what, here's what will happen in a Christian's life is that we will get saved and when we get saved, we'll become more like God, okay? And God is a giver. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? So you're never more like God, any more like God than when you're a giver. And so when people, when they come into the church and they get saved, um, God begins to deal with them and their finances about tithing and offering and all of those things. And they want to be a giver and they start um, giving into the tithe and, and giving into the offering and all of those things because they have a heart for that. And they, you know, they're becoming more like God. But here's what the enemy does. He sees now that, that he's lost his control in you on that area. And so what he will do is that he will convince you to buy stuff that you cannot afford. He'll get you to buy a car that you cannot afford or a house you cannot afford or rack up credit card debt. And if you're not careful, you'll get to this point to where you want to give, but you can't give. Because you got all of this stuff in your life. And it becomes bondage. And so I want to talk about that we have to be a steward. Steward, stewardship is the management of the property of another. Okay, so in our case, as Christians, God is owner of everything. But we've been entrusted with the stewardship of those things. Matthew 25, 14 through 29 Jesus is telling a story. He says, for it will be like a man. He says, well, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Now, this is Jesus speaking, so he kind of knows what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says, for what would it be? It would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents. So talent is not ability. Okay? It's not like I have the talent to play the bass. Or I have the talent to sing. or I have Talent is a sum of money. Okay? I'll show you this in just a minute. To another two and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. <laughs> There's going to come a day where the, the account's going to be settled. And he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I've made five talents more. His master said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. How many have heard that phrase before? This is the only time it's uttered to somebody in the Bible. 
And it has to do with how this guy handled money. Okay? So it's amazing to me that people say, I want to hear the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And the only time that's in the Bible is how we handled money. Okay? Everybody still all right? He says, you've been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. And he also, he who had two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said unto him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest so take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents for everyone who has uh, who has will be given more and he who has abundance from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away from him and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness in a place that will be weeping and gnashing of teeth look at this look at this the one that took what God had given him, and he was a good steward, and he increased. God said, well done, thy good and faithful. Enter into. This is a direct talking about at the end of time. And the one who didn't do anything with what God had given him at all. He said, cast him to outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where is that? That's heavy stuff. That's heavy stuff. <laughs> I wish I was saying something more cheerful here. Maybe I will here in a minute. All right, so there is a talent of silver. When you begin to do digging into this, and there's a talent of gold. This was a talent of silver, and this is a sum of money. You notice he said, you should have taken my money. Said my money. It wasn't my talent of basket weaving. It was my money. That was what the talent was. Okay. So he says, give more to the one who has more because he is a good steward. Okay. So we're going to talk about this in just a minute. We're going to dig more into this in just a second. Okay. So stewardship is the management of the property of another okay so number one here's something i want you to remember i am not the owner just the manager okay what does god own psalms 24 and 1 the earth is the lord's in the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein so what does god what belongs to him everything including you Psalms 50 and 12, the Lord says, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you about it. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. So the Lord is saying, like, if I was hungry, if, if that was possible for me to be hungry, I would not ask you for anything. I would go take one of my chickens and eat it. Or I'd take one of my cows and I would eat it. Or I'd take one of my eggs and I would eat it. Because I, I, all of this belongs to me. 
Okay, and so what the Lord is saying is that your house belongs to God. Why is that? Because the wood that that house was made out of and all of the nails and everything in it came from God's earth. It all belongs to him, okay? Your food is God's food. Your dog is God's dog. I'll let him have it. I was just teasing, baby. I wouldn't. The car that you drove into to here tonight belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Nothing is yours. So the obvious question is, if God owns everything, how much do you own? So when you get that down and you understand it's easy for you to give because you understand I don't own it. And when God asks me for something, I'm just giving back to him what he already owns. He has lent it to me and he wants me to be a good steward of what he has given me. Okay? So if you have a teenager in your home, I have a 13-year-old now, I can say that or if you've had one in, in your life, um, you've either said this or thought this. This is not your house. All right? You are here on loan. I was happy before you showed up, and when you decide to spread those little wings and take off, I'm sure I can be just as happy with that lady right over there when you leave. Now, I'll miss you, but this is not your house. How many have said this? If you're gonna live under my roof, you're gonna live by my rule. How many have had that said to you too? All right, so the difference between a mature believer and someone that's just a teenager is stewardship. When you understand, this doesn't belong to me, it belongs to him. And what's been given to me, I have to take care of it and manage it well. Amen? So you've got to believe that I am a steward. So God started the whole world with stewardship. He puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and he puts a tree there to remind them that they aren't owners. He says to them, you can have any tree you want except that one, it's mine. Every time you walk by that tree, you're gonna realize that you don't own this garden, I own this garden, all right? You're here to tend it and you're here to steward it, but it belongs to me. And what got them in trouble and caused this great collapse in all the world is when the enemy convinced them, take of this fruit Take of what is God's and consume it because your eyes are going to be open and you'll be like him. In other words, you will not be a steward, you'll be an owner. And oftentimes that's where we get in trouble when we believe my talent, my energy, my time, my money, my finances, everything belongs to me. When you do that, it's going to mess up your thinking and it's going to jack up your world. But when you understand this doesn't belong to me, my time, my energy, my health, Everything, my finances belongs to God, and I'm going to manage it well. Amen? So, talent is a sum of money. There's a talent of silver, and there's a talent of gold. So, a talent of silver is 10,000 denarii. 
So denarii, um, denarius actually is singular. And denarius was a, was a day's wage. Um, it would fluctuate with the economy. So denarii is plural. So when you're talking about 300 denarii, when the woman poured out the anointing oil on Jesus' feet and Judas said, why wasn't this sold for 300 denarii? It's the plural form of denarius. So in other words, 300 days wages. 300 days wages was a year's wage. So when you work about 300 days a year, you would do that because they wouldn't work on Sabbath. Um, there was 52 of them. And then you also had feasts and festivals that would come in. And so 300 days meant an entire year's wage. A talent was 10,000 denarii. That's 33 years. All right, so you started interning with your father when you were 12, year old, 12 years old. And at 17, you became an adult and you started working. And you worked from 17 until the age of about 50. And at 50 years old, you would retire. It was 33 years. Okay? You retired at 50 during Jesus' day. Now, everybody's like, man, that would be nice. Well, life expectancy was 55, so there you go. So 10,000 denarii or a talent was a life's wage. So that guy got one talent. He got an entire lifetime full of wages. Another man got two talents, which is twice the average income because he could manage it. And another guy got five times because he could manage it. And Jesus gave to each of them according to their ability. So they were each given a sum of money. Okay, Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So he gives you money to do good, but some bury it in the ground. They never give to the kingdom. They never manage it well. And here's what God thought was good stewardship, not maintaining, but actually growing. So the one guy maintained, and he, he didn't steal, he didn't, but he gave it back, and God said, you're a wicked and lazy servant. So the only one that God says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, to are the ones who increased. And God calls faithfulness increase. God deposited his money with these three people, and he was expecting a return. Okay? God has given all of us resources, and he wants you to expand those resources so he can expand the kingdom on the earth. And I know that, that, that there are many people that say, I'm a one-talent person, okay? Uh, how many have said that? You know, you, well, you're a five-talent person. I'm just the one, all right? I tell Brother Patrick that all the time. You're a five-talent, bro. I'm maybe a two at best, 100. Um, what I want you to know is that you don't have to stay a one-talent person. He gave to them according to their ability, Okay? You can increase your ability. You can go back to school. You can learn a different trade. Okay? You can, you can apply for a, a different job. You can learn. When, when Ashley and I first got married, I think I was making like maybe $1,000, $1,200 a month, if that. And that, that was because I'm adding some stuff in and being generous to what I was really making. It really probably, probably closer to 800 bucks a month. Okay? But through time... 
I've learned and I've studied and I've applied. And you know, we all start in that point to a lot of times we only have that one talent. But then, but then God opens up a door for you to expand. And so when that door opens up for you to expand, what you're doing is that you are increasing Okay, some of us, we started way down the road from other people. Other of us, you didn't, you know, you were kind of born into poverty and you had that mentality. But you don't have to stay at one talent. You can actually take that ability and you can increase it. And when you increase that, that is what the enemy wants us to think, that we're always going to be stuck in this mold. This is where we're going to be and we can't be anything more. And I want you to know that the Lord, if he requires something from you, is because he believes and he knows you have the ability to do it. Don't get stuck in this mentality that this is where I am and I can't do anything else. No. God wants you to increase your ability and when you increase your ability he's going to add another talent to you. Okay? And he wants us to increase. So as the door opens up and God begins to move on your life begins to move in that direction. It's not enough for you to say this is just where I am and this is what it no, no. God loves you. You are his child. He is constantly opening doors for you, putting people in front of you that you can learn from, that you can become better from. And you know what? Most of us, though, we get lazy, and that's wickedness, and we don't try, and we don't apply ourselves. But we have to get to the point that throughout our lives, God is constantly putting people in front of us, opportunities in front of us for us to learn. If we will apply, we can grow on our ability, and that is being a good Steward. Amen? Sometimes, sometimes it's arrogance that won't allow us to let someone speak into our lives and to help us. Right? Luke 12, 16 through 21 says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentiful and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul? I always thought that was funny. I will say to my soul, soul? You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, fool, this night your soul will require of you and the things you have prepared, whose will be, they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Okay? Here's what I do know. Like This guy right here thought everything was his. And he laid up for himself. And when you get in that mentality, it actually robs life from you. But when you understand that everything belongs to God, and he's given me all of this stuff to bless others. God blesses us supernaturally when we're generous and we are good stewards. Many of you are looking for an opportunity, but those two things have to be present in your life if you're going to be able to build a legacy for your family and also for your church. You've got to be generous and be a good steward. And when you're both of those things, God supernaturally opens up doors for you. It's amazing how it works. I know a couple that's in the church, and they had a lot of debt in their life. They had, I think it was like 
$30,000 in debt. I forgot how much it was. It was just, and, and that's not talking about like your house or anything like that. That was just credit card stuff and car payments, all of this kind of stuff. They had racked up quite a bit of debt. It might be higher than that. Um, but whenever we opened up the opportunity for Financial Peace University, they went to that class and they started, they took, what they did is they took that talent and they began to invest that talent and open up their ability. And what they did is what they heard from all of those different principles, they began to apply it and they began to start paying off debt. And these are not, it's not a couple that just has a lot of money, but it was just in just a matter of months that they came to us and they said, all of that, we just paid off our car, we just paid off our last credit card, we don't have any debt whatsoever. They asked me to help them to sell the house that they had, and so we helped them with that, and they, they applied that to some other things in their life, and so they, they came to me, and they met with me, and they were talking about uh, what kind of house that they wanted to look for, Okay? And they had this list of stuff, and they said, now here's the pre-approval letter, and they gave me a pre-approval letter from the bank, and I'm looking at the list of what they're giving me, of what they want in a house, and I deal with the market every single day, and I'm looking at the pre-approval letter, and I'm thinking, no chance. And I was just, I was just frank with them. I just said, look, hey, uh, what you're wanting what you're desiring and what that pre-approval says, it doesn't match up. But I said there, but I know how you have been a good steward and God is gonna open a door for you and when he does, walk through it. And I was at church maybe like two weeks later that they came down to the altar and they said, you're not gonna believe this. And they began to tell me this story about a place that they were renting that the people just opened up and offered to them to buy. And it was, it was probably fifty dollars or $60,000 below market level. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, we know that you're, you're our realtor and pastor. We don't want to cut you. I was like, walk through the door. <laughs> this is your miracle. And what they, they became a good steward. And when they became a good steward, God supernaturally opened up doors for them that would not have been available if they took that talent and just buried it or they wasted what God gave them. I'm telling you, it's just a principle as God's children. If you will take the principles of God and you will begin to apply them and you will be a good steward of what God gives you, then I promise you, tonight that God will supernaturally open up doors for you that open up for nobody else. They will never open to you until you become a person that's generous and a person that has good stewardship in their life. But when you apply that and you're a good manager of what God has given you, he says, I can trust you with more. That's how it works. People praying for a miracle but they're not being a good steward and God can't trust them with it yet because what God would give them, they would just buy a new flat screen TV with it on credit. Six months, no interest. 
then 85% a month after that. Amen? So we got to be good stewards of our time and energy. I'm going to, it's 7.51. I'm going to just skip through a lot of stuff. We have to be good stewards of talents and gifting. There's so many people that I hear today. It's like, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to do that. And I look up, and they've had like 82 posts on Facebook that day. And not being a good steward. You're like, well, you're not either because you're seeing 82 posts. True. You got me there. The talents and giftings that God has given us, he's given us... Um, so not only we can earn a living, but we should also devote all of that stuff to the Lord and to his work so his kingdom can increase and our money, okay? So I'm going to skip a lot of things here. You'll see, I mean, that's the whole week right there. So I'm going to tell you 10 things. Well, no, I'll tell you eight things, and I can do it in eight minutes, I think, um, that you need to do in your life. Number one, you've got to put God first. 1 Kings chapter 17, 10 through 14, I'm not going to read it. It's a story about Elijah, and there's a famine that lasted three years and six months, three and a half years. And Elijah is sent to this widow woman who has a son, and they have one, they have enough to make one pancake basically left. And Elijah comes to this woman and says, bake me a cake first. She said, well, we're going to eat it and die. She said, bake this for me first. Because God didn't send Elijah to the widow woman so, Eli so the widow woman could take care of Elijah. But he sent Elijah to the widow woman so the widow woman could actually live in her son. And whenever you put God first, when you tithe, your first and best. The reason you do that, it's not so God can be taken care of. It's so that you can. Number two, don't worship material things. An idol is something you put before God. Have you ever put a material thing before God? A job, house, whatever it is, a relationship. Have you ever put a material thing before God? Have you ever bought something in your life that you instantly regretted? A dog? I'm just kidding. Here's what happened. Most of the time is you didn't pray about it first. You didn't ask the owner if you could spend it. You just went out there and you saw it and you bought it and now it's become a detriment to your life rather than something that you can actually have peace about it. But everything in your life, when you're getting ready to buy something, first pray. Pray about it. God, do you want me to buy this car? Lord, do you want me to have this house? Where do you want me to live at? What do you want me to drive? Is this the job that I'm supposed to have? Are you strategically placing me here? All right? So don't worship material things. Pray about every purchase 
No, I'm not talking about if you need eggs to say, Lord, can I buy these eggs or these eggs? That's going to drive you nuts. Just buy the eggs, okay? You got a big purchase in your life? Make sure you cover it in prayer. Number three, and we talked about this, you need to be a good steward of so many things. When you're reading about the Ten Commandments, the Lord says, six days shall you work, and the seventh you shall rest. So you need to be a good steward of your time and energy, working for six days and resting. He's believing that God can do more in six days than I can do in seven. And when you tithe, you're believing that God can do more with the 90% than I can do with the 100%. Okay? All good stewards do these three things. They spend wisely, they save diligently, and they give generously. That's not my quote, but I love that saying. Number four, teach your children about money and the kingdom. Teach your children about God, the kingdom of God. God said in the commandments to honor your father and mother, and why he wanted this to be was because they were the, going to be the ones that, that taught their kids about God. So your children are learning about God and money from you and the way you talk about it, the way um, you act about it, and when you're talking around the house, when you say out loud that all of our problems would be solved if we just had more money, you're teaching your kids that money solves everything and they're gonna wind up despising God and serving money. Why is that? Because the Lord said you can't have two masters. You'll either serve God or you'll serve money. Because when you're trying to serve both, you're going to love one and despise the other. And when you're in your house all the time and you're talking about that money solves everything instead of God, what you're teaching your kids is God cannot provide and a good job can. But when you say, God, I know you're going to bless us, and you begin to have that language of the kingdom and all of those things in your house that God will provide. He's Jehovah Jireh. You're teaching your kids that God is the provider and everything we need in the right time, he's going to provide it. Amen? Um, number five, live on a budget. <laughs> uh, we plan to fail. How many of you heard that? When we fail to plan. All a budget is is a plan. This is Dave Ramsey style right here. Okay? A budget is a plan. Dave Ramsey talks about Mr. Budget. Budget helps you make financial decisions without emotion, he says. It makes decisions for you. So when your wife says, can I buy something? You can say, well, let's see what Mr. Budget says about it. When your husband asks for a new fishing rod, what does Mr. Budget say about that? All right? He says it's like a map. It shows you where to go. Okay? You need to have goals that make you reach. If you're going to get to that goal in life, you're going to have to live by a budget and be a good steward. Okay, and in a budget, here's the thing. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh, my goodness. So many people don't have a clue how to do anything in finances, and because of that, we get afraid. We don't really want to talk about it. It's one of those sore subjects. Look, find somebody that's successful and does all of this stuff and sit down with them and say, hey, will you sit down with me or sit down with my wife and I and teach us about how to run a budget? Okay? So find somebody to help. Number six, don't live above your means. There's two reasons you live above your means. Number one is that you're not content. 
You're not content with what God has provided for you. Philippians 4.11, Paul is speaking and says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatsoever situation I am to be content. And so whenever you're living above your means, you're constantly saying, I'm not content. That's a miserable way to live, right? The second one is, is that they haven't counted the cost. That's Luke 14, 28. You haven't sit down. You haven't counted it. You just went out there and let your flesh, you wanted it. All right? And you didn't sit down and go back up to what Dave Ramsey says, consult Mr. Budget. Begin to talk about that. So I want you to be content. Last thing I'm going to say, it's 8 o'clock. Colossians 3 and 5 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, purity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. <laughs> when you covet, it's idolatry. And the reason it's idolatry is because whatever you're coveting, you've made an idol out of. So if you covet what your neighbor has, if your neighbor gets a new car, now you've got to get a new car. Your neighbor is now God. Because it wasn't God who told you to get it. It was your neighbor who told you to get it. And all of this really boils down to one thing. Can you keep your flesh under control. It's flesh. It's flesh. You need to learn how to be content. You need to learn how to live on a budget. Where you're weak, you need to learn how to ask for help. You don't need to live above your means. You got to be a good steward. Don't worship material things. You got to teach your children if you have them the right things, and you got to put God first. Why do you got to put God first? Because only God is great. And when you come back to that, that he reigns supreme, only God is great. And when I live according to what his word says I'm going to leave a legacy for my family and I'm going to leave a legacy for my church and for the kingdom of God I want to be a person that doesn't consume everything on myself but actually says I'm for the kingdom I live for the kingdom and everything I own does not belong to me amen how many want that in your life well, tonight, only God is great. Sometimes we can think that we are, and we're not. Only he is. And in this space of time, and I can see the physical attributes beginning to decline every day, while well, I still have it. Because I still got it. In case you were wondering, I do. I still got it. Right, Ashley? I still got it. While I still do, 
I want to make sure that I benefit the kingdom and people around me. Amen. Next week, we're going to go through, Craig is going to speak. He is one of my best friends on the face of the planet. Love, love Craig. And he is going to talk about a step-by-step way that you can leave generational wealth behind for your kids. How you can get to the point when you live this way and you look up in retirement. For some of us, we're already there. But you can put it back day by day by day by day, show you a systematic way. At the end, you're leaving something for everybody else around you, okay? There's going to be a very practical, um, and so I'm excited about next week. But I'm thankful for the goodness of God. i got to be a good steward, amen?